This is the Legal Lounge from Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors, where you'll hear about many aspects of law in England and Wales with special guests, industry experts, and local charities. Here's your host, Amanda Jones. Hello, and welcome to the Legal Lounge, where we now release new episodes every Monday. If you haven't heard previous shows, there's plenty of content for you. If you're going through a divorce, want to know more about claiming for injuries, or you're training to be a lawyer, you can listen to these shows on your favourite podcast app and get more information by visiting lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast. In this episode, Solicitor Edward Rees talks with Claire Vale, who's a solicitor specialising in contentious probate, about predatory marriages, something Claire has seen more of in recent months. To get married, the level of capacity is relatively low. People get married for a variety of reasons, but in cases of predatory marriages, the victim will be vulnerable. When a person gets married, any will is automatically revoked. Therefore, the predator can then benefit from the victim's estate. Hello, I'm Edward and I'm joined today by my colleague Claire Vale, who is an associate solicitor who deals with contentious probate. So hello, Claire. It's it's great to have you uh, here today. And I'm sure the kind of work that you're involved in has some really interesting scenarios and you'll have a a back catalogue of fascinating scenarios stories cases to draw on maybe not just today but you know in future podcasts you must have seen some things in your time practicing as a lawyer in that area of contentious probate yes well lots of different disputes uh, over the years and over the years various things have cropped up you know when i started off doing mainly inheritance act claims and probate disputes and still do that type of work but in the last sort of six to 12 months probably seen some work arising that I hadn't particularly dealt with or seen in in years gone by Um, one of those being to do with what I and and others are, are terming predatory marriages right okay so I have heard of predatory marriage but it's a kind of newish term I've heard it discussed within the context or mentioned in, within the context of a law commission review. But but tell us what, what is predatory marriage? Well, predatory marriage is a, a term that's sometimes used to describe marriages which take place where one of the parties to that marriage didn't validly consent to it. Right. And that might be because of duress or mistake uh, or the cases that I tend to see are the ones where there's been unsoundness of mind um, where or or there's a doubt as to whether they could actually consent to the marriage because of you know they might have had a stroke or they got some kind of disease or mental illness Um, and and those are the types of cases where I'm seeing more of uh, recently. It's a live issue it's 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 something that you're seeing more of and just to strip things back right down to the basics to get married, or I, I suppose this this covers um, registered civil partnerships as well, doesn't it? Uh, but just to get right back to basics, both parties have got to consent to this, haven't they? Yes. <laughs> it sounds obvious thing to yes, say. Yes, that's but, right. Yeah. yeah, so when two people get married, you know, hopefully they both agree to get married. They understand what the implications of that are going to be for them. And yes, they, they need to understand what they're doing. But obviously the, the, the level of understanding for marriage is um, not a particularly high one. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> this is the thing. Again, I've come across this in the, in the past. When you're looking at capacity to make decisions you have to look at 
the specific decision that you're talking about. It might be, you know, decision, you know, can this person do a will? Can they, can, can they grant a power of attorney? They're two different, they're distinct decisions. You have to look at them uh, in isolation. Can they make this gift? Again, different decision. Do they have capacity to do that particular thing? And marriage, it's the same thing. It's a completely different level of capacity. And historically, yeah, I, my understanding was it was quite a low threshold, possibly l- the lowest of all thresholds in terms of making this, which seems quite strange, doesn't it, really? Yes, yeah. yes. Well, obviously, marriage is quite a common thing for, for people to do. Yeah. So the, you know, the, the understanding involved, you know, is, um, as you say, a fairly low one, yeah. uh, quite a low bar. And, and people get married for all kinds of different reasons, don't they? Yes. Uh, so it can be, fi- can be financial. Well, it can be for love. Well, can, well sorry, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. No, it can. It can be for love. Yes, absolutely. So, yes, hopefully and most usually uh, it, it is for love, but it, it isn't always, is it? And it doesn't have to be. Uh, it could be for financial reasons. And provided there isn't any duress, that's perfectly valid, isn't it? It could be that you're doing it for tax reasons. I think that happened in the Archers once. Somebody proposed uh, in the Archers and it was uh, the, the other party was a bit uh, put out because they, they were doing it for tax reasons. But, you know, again, it's, it's perfectly valid. But it's that question of whether the person's got capacity and to get over that threshold. So this is assuming, therefore, in most cases or in all cases, isn't it, that the, the, the person who's been, is it predated on? The predator would predate, the predator, well, you're the predatee if you're the person who's being, uh, anyway, the, the, the victim. <laughs> the victim of the predator, they wouldn't have had capacity to enter into the arrangement. Is that fair to say? Yes, well, usually there's some vulnerability on the mm. part of the the victim, if I, I call them that, yeah. which is preyed upon by the predator. So, you know, again, you may be talking about somebody who's elderly, they might be frail and well, you know, they may have something like dementia, not have full understanding. Yeah, we'll look at a particular scenario, won't we, that's actually one that's been looked at in a recent television uh, programme. You know, you could even have a scenario, I suppose, where uh, you've got a couple where maybe the victim uh, is very ill, maybe, you know, actually deathbed scenario in hospital, and the other party is known to them, but they're being sort of pressed into, you know, forced into a marriage at that stage. I mean, that could be mm. a predatory marriage, couldn't yes, it? Yes, it could. And, and I have seen a couple of examples of that myself where you know there's secrecy surrounding the the wedding which you have to question you know if everything was above board then why haven't you know the family of the the person who well of both persons getting married why are they not informed of it beforehand and given the opportunity to attend the wedding if they want to okay and then it's a, as a basic point isn't it you know if you have been preyed upon in this way if you're the victim and then you've been duped or you just you know somehow got yourself into well you haven't got yourself into you are the victim of this predatory marriage why is that such a thing you know what what, what are the implications of that uh, in terms of probate and contentious probate and wills and that sort of thing mm. well the, there are legal implications to to getting married 
So if you're the, the victim of a predatory marriage, then one of the effects can be that if you've got a, a will that's been made, for example, you may have uh, children from a previous marriage or relationship, and your will may well benefit them, you know, your children, grandchildren, perhaps. Yeah. Um, but the law says that when you get married, usually the the will that you've made will be revoked yeah. with just one or two exceptions. Yeah. Um, and so you can end up getting married, your will is revoked. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you end up in a situation where if, if you die, then your new spouse is going to inherit either under the intestacy laws or if you make a new will then, yeah. you know, benefiting them, then your your family, your children can, can lose out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And even if you didn't have a will, uh, again, the scenario we're talking about where uh, under the intestacy rules, your children would have benefited from your estate if you then get married then that's going to overturn yeah. that arrangement isn't it because the, the intestacy rules will then favor your your spouse they won't get everything will they a spouse but they will well they might do it depend on the size of your estate yeah there's another problem isn't there with uh, with with the predatory marriage uh, and this one i find being a simple-minded non-contentious non-litigator uh, non, non more concerned with process <laughs> than with uh, with cases historically in my career the problem th that you've laid out is that a predatory marriage is voidable rather than void so can you explain yes what, what is that what's well, that what's that the, all about well the the law makes a distinction between void and voidable marriages and it's not entirely clear to me why they decide some are avoid and some are voidable. Right. But in the Matrimonial Causes Act, it, it says that where there's a, where somebody hasn't perhaps properly consented to a marriage, mm. the marriage is voidable right. rather than void. If it's void, it, it's as though the marriage never happened. Yeah. You know, you can I just sort of, you can ignore it uh -huh. um, from a legal point of view whereas if it's voidable that means that some action has to be taken in order to annul the marriage right and even if a decree of annulment is made it only brings the marriage to an end on the date of the annulment mm -hmm. so it doesn't actually have a, a retrospective effect you know, there is still a marriage for a period of time ah. until there's a decree of annulment. Right. In a predatory marriage situation, that means that you can't you can't stop the the legal effect if your will having been revoked mm -hmm. when you got married. Ah, um, I see. So you yeah. know, the will yeah. would still be in place yeah. even if action is then later taken to annul the marriage because it was voidable on the grounds of lack of mental capacity. There was a recent programme, wasn't there? Was it Inheritance Wars on yes. Channel 5? And they had a scenario which was like that, wasn't it? Where an elderly lady who was preyed upon by this person who just popped up from nowhere uh, mm, uh, almost. Mm, that's right. Well, the, the case that um, you're talking about was to do with a lady called Joan Blass mm -hmm. uh, and her daughter Daphne Franks who appeared on the, on the programme and she was talking about her late mother who was an 87-year-old widow. She had vascular dementia um, and then one day she was 
out in her front garden doing some gardening a man walked past and started chatting to her and seemed to you know befriend her and then the next thing that Daphne knew was that he'd actually moved in with her mother and uh, she only knew because she noticed that all of his clothes and belongings had appeared in her mother's house. So so Daphne was aware that this chap had arrived on the scene but it was well, how and, and why? Um, and before you know it, he's there in the house. He's moved That's in. That's right. Didn't really know anything about him. And, you know, she did say in the programme that he did, you know, well, he did at least seem to be looking after her mother. Her mother seemed to be well fed and, and clean, but he was very secretive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was a long period of time when he didn't communicate with Daphne and and also the mother didn't seem to know who he was and she kept asking her daughter you know have you got him for me and where does he live as though she thought that he was like a a living carer perhaps that the daughter had arranged um, for her you know to to help look after her very difficult isn't it because as a child what could you do in that situation and you're not quite sure what's going on either side and then mum doesn't know and I suppose the other thing thinking about this is how other people who are not necessarily closely connected or relatives but they might be neighbours how they might view it because they might view it in a sort of you know presumably this chap was a younger I mean probably not a 20 year old but a younger younger person so either people would just ignore it or they just oh well he's a bit younger than her or she's got a you know you can think of the things that people might say and they might look at it almost in a it's inappropriate but they might view it in a sort of comical almost sort of carry on way uh, I mean it might work slightly differently the other way around because of the conceptions or misconceptions that people have in society uh, and because you kind of look at it after the event don't you think well how could this happen but you can kind of see how it could very difficult I mean I think Daphne must have wondered you know whether she should take the ball by the, the horns yeah. and try yeah. and get you know get him to leave the property but yeah for whatever reason, she she didn't do that. Uh, so so this chat was uh, extremely secretive, didn't communicate with Daphne, and then ultimately Joan dies. She did, yeah. So um, apparently a few days after Joan died, when she was age 92 at that, at that stage, Daphne and her brother were very shocked mm. when they received a telephone call from Joan's GP <laughs> to say, did you know that your mother was a married woman? Oh, goodness. <laughs> And you, then I think that, that, that you, you wouldn't know. No, she, didn't, she did not th- know that. I think the floor opened up mm-hmm. for them at that point. You know, the, the shock of finding that out because no a wedding had been talked about. They were totally in the dark Goodness. about it and had no idea that, you know, their mother had gone through that um, that that procedure. Wow. And then I think they, they must have subsequently found out that their mother had got married at Leeds Registry Office. Um, the witnesses to the, the wedding were two people that Joan didn't know. There was obviously the registrar, but then, you know, with the registrars, they're sort of called in. They don't always know the people involved. No. You know, they're not not necessarily going to be really concentrating on capacity issues. Well, it's not a, an everyday occurrence, presumably. No. Uh, and there may have been some lessons learned, I suppose, after the event again. But mm. uh, yeah, as part of the marriage 
process and the steps you have to go through. There is no reason, is there, why Daphne would be formally notified? She'd only be notified if her mother had told her. Yes. Poor mum. Yes, I don't think there are any formal, you know, no. requirements no. for certain relatives to be no. um, invited to the wedding no. or, noti- no. or notified on yeah. it. Or, but a ban- I suppose it back in the day in church, uh, bans would be yes. read, wouldn't they? But yeah, even, for a church wedding. Yeah, but but even then, you'd have to be. These aren't usually church weddings. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I would have, mm. would have thought that. Yeah, traditional weddings in a church are few and far between. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Daphne has now found out that actually mum and this chap were actually married so this is going to throw her expectations presume was there a will or was it an intestacy um in this case um there was a will but unfortunately that was automatically revoked by law Uh um, when she got married in this uh, secret um wedding And so the inheritance that Daphne had been expecting to receive when her mother died, Mm -hmm. that was no longer. And her mother's estate uh, ended up passing, I think, in its entirety to the new husband. Because although he inherited under the intestacy rules as the spouse, Mm -hmm. the the intestacy rules were that he was going to be entitled to £270,000 of her estate and half of the remainder. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as all of the personal property and belongings of right. Joan. But that actually encompassed the whole of, of Joan's day. estate. That was everything. There wasn't left anything left over for, for Joan's children. Wow. Unfortunately. Okay. So and and then to sort of add insult to injury, um, because of the intestacy, that put the husband in the driving seat as far as the funeral arrangements were concerned as well. So so he organised all of that and didn't involve Daphne and that's right so because he was the personal representative of Jones estate he arranged the funeral himself Um, he didn't I don't think notify Daphne and her brother so they were unable to attend their own mother's funeral. funeral no and he had her buried in an unmarked grave whereas Daphne knew that her mother wanted to be cremated so, this, so God, this, it was completely this, taken out of her hands. This character's an absolute villain. Mm. Absolute villain. Okay. And then I think there was some particular... You know, he inherited the personal belongings on the intestacy rules. That's and there right. were some particularly... It's some items of particular sentimental value, weren't there? There were, well? yes. There were some... Um, letters um, from Daphne's grandfather that were sent during the First World War. And so they were those and everything else that Joan belonged just went to the husband. And Goodness presumably me. he wasn't willing to pass over those belong- personal belongings, or some of them at least, to to the children. So, so Daphne couldn't do anything? No, she couldn't. I mean, could she have brought a claim... At all would 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 she have been able to bring a claim under the the inheritance act? You know that that nineteen seventy five act. We've talked about it in earlier yes, podcasts. Yes, but, uh, yes. she 
Well, potentially she could do as a child of her mother. That would mean that she was eligible at least to bring a claim. But then a claim under the 1975 Act includes consideration of a lot of factors, including, you know, financial circumstances and presumably for for whatever reason, that wasn't a a route that was gone down. Claire, if anybody is interested in, in looking at this in a bit more detail, you've did a blog about it, didn't you? And there's a link. I did, yes. Yeah, based on the television programme about this case. So there's a link to to that blog uh, on the episode description. Also, the programme, I guess, will still be available to view, wouldn't it? It's a a Channel 5 programme, Inheritance Wars. So Daphne, as I understand it, may not have been able to do anything or much, if if, if anything, from a a legal perspective, but she did at least uh, consult with her MP who was able to raise this in the in the House of Commons. Yes, and she has campaigned quite hard subsequently to try and bring about a change in the law. Okay. And I think her aim has been to have the the law revoked, um, you know, which says that on marriage a, a will is uh, automatically revoked. Um, there has, there is also at the moment until the 8th of December a Law Commission consultation paper that came out on the 5th of October uh, 2023. It's actually a re-consultation because they'd started a consultation, I think, back in about 2018 or 2019. Yeah. Um, and then there was a pause with that. So this is a re-consultation now mm-hmm. on the rule that a marriage or civil partnership revokes an existing will. I think there has been concern lately over the prevalence of predatory marriages which Mm. has resulted in the law commission wanting to look at this in more details and getting feedback um you know about what people think about a possible change in the law it would have been around when they were looking at these sort of things previously but uh, i suppose that the point is that the the law relating to wills a lot of it is is Victorian, isn't it? The 1837 it Wills is, Act yes. uh, and yes. the question of whether is that really fit for purpose now? But you have to balance these things up, don't you? In actual fact, in most cases uh, on marriage, if you asked most people, would you want the the inheritance rules to be altered by a marriage or would you want an existing will to be revoked by a marriage most people in most marriages would say yeah we would want that wouldn't they and so the this predatory marriage arrangement and trying to guard against that i suppose if you were then to change the law so that a marriage didn't revoke an existing will didn't upend things in, in the way that it does. I'm not denying this isn't a problem, but how big a problem is it? And is that the right way to try and, and try and deal with it? Yes. Well, I don't think it is totally straightforward. Mm. I presume that the idea behind the law that marriage revokes a will uh, is because most people would want yeah. to ensure that their new spouse would be provided for financially, yeah. you know, in the event of their own death, whether mm. that's either under a new will um, or under the intestacy rules if no new will is made. Mm -hmm. So if the law that marriage revokes a will is removed, it may act as a deterrent to predators Mm -hmm. um, because the the victim's pre-marriage will would remain valid if the predator married their victim. Mm -hmm. The victim would have to make a new will benefiting the predator which may be difficult for the predator to achieve if there are capacity issues. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. 
However, if a pre-marriage will were to remain valid following a marriage, it could result in many spouses not receiving any financial provision (laughs) from their late spouse's estate if a post-marriage will wasn't made benefiting them. And since many people do fail to make wills, it it, it could result in their spouse not receiving financial provision from their estate. And then that could have a knock-on effect with regards to 1975 Act claims or claims under the Inheritance Provision for Family and Dependents Act. Also, if there was no pre-marriage will, a predator could still benefit financially from marrying his victim because he would inherit a substantial part of his victim's estate on intestacy. Yeah. Therefore, it may not be in the public interest to change the law that Mm. marriage revokes a will in order to protect a minority of people who may be the victims of a predatory marriage. Mm. One possible other option might be to change the law to make a predatory marriage void rather rather than voidable, uh, which used to be the legal position prior to 1971. That might help, mightn't it? But in Joan's case, that would that have helped? Because if you didn't know that they were actually married until they've died, even then you wouldn't, even if it was void rather than voidable, it would be far too, you know, once you're dead, that's it. You can't go back and annul it, can you? Or you can't do anything, can you? Or, or Well, if the marriage was actually void mm. as opposed to voidable, then yeah. it would be as though the marriage had never had taken never place and yeah. therefore the will wouldn't have been revoked. Yeah. But actually... If you're talking about, you know, what Daphne is trying to achieve, which mm. is that the will isn't revoked on marriage, then that wouldn't actually have helped. No, no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't have helped there, would it? But but Daphne, if if it was a void rather than voidable situation, if Daphne had post death taken action and was able in, in, in a court case to show that judge said, no, she didn't have capacity to enter into that marriage, that would have made it void and therefore it never happened as far as the law was concerned and then the existing will would have would would have stood wouldn't it well the 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 lack of capacity would have only resulted in it being voidable as the rules are as the rules rules are at the moment yes that's right but but if they they change that it was void void. yeah yes yeah okay that would help yeah yeah, okay well we'll we'll Mm -hmm. have to see what comes out of this consultation process won't we yeah i mean the other thing that the law commission are looking at on that consultation is wills wills have to be paper and they have to have two witnesses uh, and they're looking again at this question of whether it could be done electronically and whether it can be done remotely. Uh, There was some movement on this during COVID. Uh, I have to say we never did a will uh, and got it witnessed remotely in the way that the law was changed during COVID to allow it to happen because it was just so incredibly complicated to to actually get a a will Mm. executed and witnessed in the way that the law was allowing you to do. We never got a will executed in that way. Uh, but we, we shall see. Again, some people are saying this is all Victorian and it's not fit for purpose anymore. Uh, the flip side of that is there were lots of good things that the Victorians did. For example, Basil Jett and his his sewers in London, which still, which still do the trick just about, you know. So uh, not everything that's over 100 years old is knackered and useless. <laughs> there are good things. That was a... A really sad, sad story, wasn't it? But 
absolutely fascinating. Wish things could have it could have been a different outcome for for poor Daphne and for poor Joan, uh, but there we go. But maybe there'll be a change uh, in in the rules, or things will make it more difficult for people to prey upon um, you know, people in, in in that way. Thank you so much, Claire. That was absolutely fascinating. Thanks to Edward and Claire for lending their expertise. More proof that lawyers don't bite. If you have a legal issue you'd like me to put to our team to cover in an upcoming episode, please let me know by visiting lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening. If you found the conversation useful, please remember to follow or subscribe on your app so you're notified of new releases when they come out every Monday. Speak to you next week. That was the Legal Lounge from Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors. Visit lblaw.co.uk slash podcast for helpful resources. And please do follow or subscribe on your podcast app so you never miss an episode.